jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for Dungy! Soaring through the air! High flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We have two things to talk about today, right? We've got certainly the Duke game tonight. SU on the road visiting the top-ranked team in the country. We also have to talk about, unfortunately, what happened inside the Dome on Saturday. Two very different topics. Game tonight against the top-ranked team in the country. Duke, by the way, coming off a last-second win on the road at Florida State. That was a fantastic game on Saturday. What we saw after that, though, the 6 o'clock start inside the Dome on Saturday, uh, that was not a fantastic game. One of the the ugliest games-slash-performances from the Orange set that I've, I've seen in quite some time. And you look at how this affects the team moving forward. This team's in a little bit of trouble because of that loss. I think a lot of bit of trouble. I don't think it's a little bit of trouble anymore. Like I, I think that when you look at where they are and that Georgia Tech is not a good team and very easily could finish outside the top 100, Old Dominion, that loss is looking worse and worse as these games go on and they don't look uh, you know, like they're in such great position in their conference now, whereas we thought that maybe they would go win their conference. I think that this is, is going to pile up and snowball. Uh, you know, Those two are pretty bad. Oregon's going to keep dropping, and I know that you'll look at that and say, well, at least they played them when they had Bowl Bowl, but they're going to keep dropping in, in these net rankings as well uh, without him and, and they aren't going to be good this, this is going to be problematic for the Orange and and I know that I said this with you on Friday Steve and, and I, I thought it after the game that's a game that a tournament team should win that's a game that like a, a, a decent team a good team should just be able to go out and win you have a sub 100 team in the country coming on to your home floor and you should be able to go out and win that game and Syracuse couldn't do that. Syracuse struggled, uh, you know, in, in in that game. They couldn't get anything going offensively. And then Georgia Tech, which had been a bad offensive team for the majority of the first half of the season, had a fantastic game against them offensively. And yes, by saying they're in a little bit of trouble, that's my way of saying they're in a lot of trouble. I, I completely agree with you. Um, usually... You know, this time of year, we talk about when we look at the resume and the ACC schedule has just started. We usually say, well, the resume is going to get better. It's bound to get better because of the strength of schedule. I would argue that this particular resume that SU has right now has the potential to get worse. And and, and by that, I mean this. You look at the, the quadrant system that, they, that they've put in place. Started last year. It's carried over to this year. Syracuse already has one loss in quadrant three. They're technically... Eight and one against quadrant three and four. The the one loss being at home to Old Dominion. Okay, not the end of the world, right? Well, if you look a little bit deeper, they technically have four quadrant three losses on their schedule. 
Georgia Tech right now has a net ranking of 75. That is right at the limit because it was a home game, right. not a neutral site game. So if Georgia Tech falls to 76th, which, let's face it, is going they're to probably happen, going to. Georgia Tech is, is probably going to drop. Even though I stand by what I said Friday, I think they're better than they were last year. I, I, I just do, and I think we saw that to some degree inside the dome. They're a better team than they were last year. They're going to finish outside the top 75, so that's going to fall into Quadrant 3. More likely than not, Oregon and UConn are going to fall out of Quadrant 2 as well. That was a neutral site game, so they have to fall out of the top 100 for that to fall into Quadrant 3. Oregon right now is 93rd, UConn's 88th. And you're right, Bull Bull played in that game, but at the end of the day, and I know the committee's supposed to take into account injuries, but are they really going to look that closely at that Oregon game? You know, if Oregon falls to like one no. twentieth, no, they're not. They're not going to look at say, "Well, Bull Bull played in that game, so we'll excuse Syracuse on that one." UConn and Oregon, I, I think, almost certainly are going to fall out of the top one hundred. And you're looking at right now that would make them three and four, yeah. in quadrant three. Yes, that is a big problem for this team. Yes, it's a major problem for this team. And do you not think that they're going to go lose another game like this? You know, like there's always that possibility, especially you know looking looking further down the road, and it's hard. Well, the it's, good thing about the ACC is that there aren't a ton of these well, these kinds of well, teams on your schedule. And that's what I was going to say. It's going to be really hard, given the ACC schedule, to lose one of these games because I would imagine, and and this just happened on the home court, so I I really I really hesitate to say this. More than likely, you're going to lose to a worse team than you on the road. And, yeah, and of course. And in the ACC, there's not that many opportunities for a quadrant three loss on the road on somebody else's home floor, unless you get beat at the at the Oakland Zoo and and you lose in Pittsburgh. Like they, there's not that many opportunities for that caliber of a loss. Now, with that being said, four is already too many. Like it it it, it just is. And so you need to do something really big. You need to do something monumental. You need to do multiple somethings really big and and that's where today comes in now I don't think Syracuse is going to win tonight I don't I don't think that Syracuse has the talent I don't think that Syracuse has the players to hang with Duke and that's not a knock on Syracuse I don't think there's many teams that have the talent to 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 seriously hang with them uh that being said I remember speaking with Ken Pomeroy one of the 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 biggest names and and one of the biggest uh advanced analytics guys that there is in this and I, I spoke to him maybe four years ago uh about a piece for the NCAA tournament and he described a win at Cameron Indoor Stadium as a golden ticket for a bubble team. Saying, if you can win there, that is as good as anything you can do. If you can win there, that that you're in. And so I find that interesting. And balancing that with today. Balancing that with where this team is at right now. Because I don't think that you think that they're going to go in and win this game. I certainly don't think that they're going to go in and win this game. However... When you look at the NCAA tournament, that's what they need to do, right? Like they they need to win this game to get to to me to put themselves in the NCAA tournament conversation. Well, yeah, they're not going to win tonight. They're not. So, so I, I mean, yes, you could say. But that's that, why. But that's why I bring that up. Like that's yes. that's what we're talking about when we say they need to do something big. They need right. to beat one of these really. Good, they need to beat multiple of these really big. Uh, opponents, and they probably need to do it on the road. Yes, they have seven games left against ranked opponents. This is the most difficult game left on their schedule. They're not winning this game. And if they do, you're right. It it counts for, you know, not only does it make up for what happened against Georgia Tech, if they beat Duke in Cameron, this Duke team, in this situation, it, it makes up for a couple a of these losses. Yes. So I'm with you on that. But they're, they're not winning tonight. Did you, by the way, did you see the line that opened? 17? Yeah. 
I Seth, take Duke. They are not winning tonight. I take no. It, I know not just because I, of the line. I, but I would I, again. I would take Duke as a seventeen point favorite. I don't like that. Was just my way of illustrating like they need something really big to happen. And what's the really big thing? This is the biggest thing left on their schedule. It is, and it's the most difficult game. So they're they're not winning this game. Um, just to finish up our point before about how there 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 aren't all that many opportunities the rest of the way to have a quadrant three loss. Uh, Boston College right now is 140th, 140th, um, and Wake Forest is is 192. So outside of those two, Pittsburgh's actually in the 60s right now, around 70. So you know, even a even a loss, you know, at Pittsburgh right. is is not going to be a quadrant three loss. Now, if they lost to Pittsburgh at home and Pitt dropped, then so we'll, we'll say potentially they have three opponents left on their schedule. That could fall into quadrant three. They've got Have Pittsburgh. You, if that if that was if that loss was at home, that could fall into quadrant three. BC, either way, whether it was home or on the road, would fall into quadrant three. And Wake Forest, you know, at Wake Forest, that would fall into quadrant three. So they have, have four you, games against three opponents left. I saw my favorite stat, favorite ACC basketball stat. It's a Wake Forest stat. That's why I bring this up. They are allowing, and this is mind blowing. And we'll, we'll talk about this more when Syracuse is playing Wake Forest. They are allowing 68.1% shooting on two-pointers in ACC play. They're allowing nearly 70% shooting on two-pointers in ACC play. Well, they gave up 90-plus points to Georgia Tech. Right, and And they're not a good offensive team. Georgia Tech is not a good offensive team, and I I say that, and we brought that up on Friday, and we said, well, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a defensive game. Georgia Tech wants to play in the game, you know, in the, the 50s or the low 60s, and you know, Syracuse scored 59. I mean, defensively, Georgia Tech did what we expected them to do. Offensively, Georgia Tech was phenomenal. They shot 59.5%. Right, they were great. Against that Syracuse defense. To me, and there are, believe me, Seth, there are a lot of alarming things to come out of that game on Saturday. I think at the top of the list is the fact that Georgia Tech, arguably the worst offensive team in the conference, went out. And in your building, shot fifty nine and a half percent and beat you by double digits. Yes, like that is to me that was the the most alarming thing that I saw on Saturday. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, you you're supposed to be hanging your hat on defense, and you uh, you allowed that to again the worst offensive team in the, in the conference. Uh, you're supposed to hang your hat on having a good defense on on. Uh, forcing difficult shots, and at times they did. But in the second half, Georgia Tech, it, it felt like, was getting easy baskets. They were getting, uh, some of that was in transition, some of that was leakouts, but they they were just hitting everything. There were open men, uh, you know, as they were swinging the ball around. Like, it, they, they did to Syracuse what better offensive teams haven't been able to do to them this year, um, and even last year. It, it made no sense why that happened, and, and to your point, that is the most concerning part to me. They put up 46 points in the second half of that game on Saturday. And and Syracuse, as a defense-first team, which we know this one is and we knew last year's was, they can't allow 46 points in any half, ever, because they don't really have the offense to, to come back from that. Now, they have an offense that should be better than what it was on Saturday. They have an offense that I think should be better, generally speaking, than it has been this season. But they don't have the offense to make up for a 46-point half. They, they just don't. They don't have the firepower to stay with somebody like that. Especially when you turn the ball over 19 times, which, again, I, I mentioned there were several alarming things about Saturday. The turnovers are a concern as well. They had 19 turnovers in this game. They had 15 against Clemson. 
19 turnovers against Georgia Tech, and they did a great job turning the, the Yellow Jackets over as well. They forced 22 turnovers. Uh, they turned that into to 28 points. And they gave it away 19 times. A lot of empty possessions, a lot of missed opportunities. Um, you know, this this wasn't so much about, well, Georgia Tech went out there and won this game, or it was... You know, it wasn't necessarily anything Georgia Tech was doing, and and I realized that their their defense gave Syracuse fits, major problems. But Syracuse played into that by just settling for three pointer after three pointer after three. They they shot thirty three three pointers in this game, and and they're not going down. There, this is not a a good outside shooting team. They have their moments. They have their games. They, you know, they'll they'll have these games here and there where they, you know, they hit. 12 threes the other day. Okay. Again, right. That, great. But by and large, you know, that, that game they had at Notre Dame, that is not who this team is. That is that is the exception to the rule. And they played right into Georgia Tech's hands Saturday offensively by, you know, letting that Georgia Tech defense confuse them. And then instead of driving to the basket, we, st- we saw the one guy in the second half I thought was O'Shea Brissett. He, he took the ball to the basket. Other than that, it was three after three after three. And they go seven for thirty-three from three-point range. They turn it over nineteen times, and no wonder they scored fifty-nine points. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting with the three-point shot though because I didn't necessarily think they were all forced and bad shots. Like I no, like but, a lot, and and I understand what you're saying, and I understand what fans are saying, and I understand why people are frustrated that they are taking so many threes because again, they they shouldn't be. Like they they're shouldn't not be the taking State the Warriors. No, they, they are no. They're I, not shooting I, a high percentage. I agree with you. But that being said, when Elijah Hughes has a wide open three, he should take it. And that's fine. Yes. Okay. That is fine. But when Tyus Battle and, and O'Shea Brissett are one for eighteen from three in their last two games, they shouldn't. They have to be getting and to the O'Shea basket. Brissett's best. The best part of his game is getting to the bucket. And Tyus Battle can pretty much do anything he wants on a basketball court. His, I think, his biggest weakness. And he doesn't have many because he's a great, great player. His biggest weakness right now is consistency from the outside. So why would you play into your weakness? And and that's what they did. You're right. Elijah Hughes had an off game. He was one for eight. Okay, he's been very consistent from three-point range. But he's the one guy that, okay, green light. And I know Buddy had the green light, too. I mean, right. Buddy put up eight shots. He was the he was the one guy actually making them from three-point range. He finished three for eight. We can discuss... You know, Buddy's game. He does some good things. He 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 did some some other things not so well. Um, he's a freshman. You know, you, you're going to expect that out of freshmen. My point is, is is the veterans in particular bailed out Georgia Tech. And and by the by the way, by the time Buddy was jacking up threes, like they was needed them. Yeah. Well, they, and the game was over. And they, their only hope was that they got hot from the outside. He hit those two, you know, back to back, cut it to a ten point game. Their their chance was force a couple turnovers with the press and hit a couple of threes. So I don't blame Buddy for putting up no. a lot of shots. He, that was what he was in there to do. Um, I more so pin this on the veterans, the, bailing out Georgia Tech, not bailing them out, but feeding into what Georgia Tech was trying to do yeah. by settling for the three and a lot of times early in the shot clock threes. Yeah, the the ones that I'm really confused about and the ones that would bother me the most are are the Brissett ones because. You know what? Battle, he's a he's a he's a two guard. He shot what, thirty five percent 
generally speaking, over the course of his career from three. Like, I I feel comfortable with him shooting the three. Is he a great three-point shooter? No. But I I feel comfortable with him putting up the three-point shot. Uh, O'Shea Brissett is not a good three-point shooter, has not been a good three-point shooter. Um, You know, last year was by default because the the rest of the team was so bad. I, I don't... Like I, I don't want him doing that, especially when he is so good at getting to the basket, drawing fouls, creating contact, finishing through contact. I want him going to the basket as much as possible. And his reluctance to do that uh, over the last couple of games has been really head-scratching. I mean, he's he's the best player that Syracuse has inside. He's the best inside player that SU has. And, and he hasn't taken advantage of that. And I think that when you... So when you look at you know, these games and where they've really gone wrong, I turn to that. I turn to, like, O'Shea Brissett's got to do something different more so than anybody else. He's really got to stop putting up threes, and I know he only took four of them in that game, but he missed all four of them. He missed all four of the ones he took in the last game, too. Like, he hasn't made a three in a while, so maybe just go and do what you do best and then see how that plays itself out. Maybe it opens you up to another three down the road, and and you can take the ones that, that, you know, look good and are open looks. But it feels like he's pressing a little bit offensively, and and he's putting up shots that maybe he shouldn't. And then, you know, I, I mean, if Tyus Battle's going to take four threes a game, you live with Tyus Battle taking four threes a game. Like he he probably should be. If if Elijah Hughes is generally speaking going to take seven or eight threes a game, I don't know that those are bad shots. That there, are, I mean, did Frank take too many threes? Maybe did O'Shea? Probably. Like I I, I don't know. I, that's why I'm struggling with this. I, I don't know where. I don't know where else to say cut back on it. All right, so thirty three is too many, but I don't. Yes. I don't know where you have to cut back. So O'Shea definitely strength of his game is getting to the basket. Absolutely, and I would argue. Listen, you know I love Tyus. In fact, I'm not sure there are many that that enjoy watching Tyus play more more than me. I am a huge Tyus Battle fan. Okay, freshman year though, Seth, he was thirty six and a half percent from three point range. 32% last year as a sophomore and 32% from three this year. He's not a good three-point shooter. He's not. And it, we know that he can do anything he wants on the basketball court. And his pull-up game is strong and getting to the basket and getting to the free-throw line and the same thing with Brissett. And that was a game, in my opinion, Saturday where the shots were not falling. And I'm not saying don't take any threes if you're if you're battler Brissett. You know, obviously battles your shooting guard. He's going to take some threes. But... If you're not shooting the ball all that well, and he finished 3-for-12 from the field, get to the basket. Get to the basket. His field goal percentage across the board has gotten better. It's gone up, up almost 10 points from last year to this year. That's because you know we, we predicted that going into the year, that he's not going to have to put up as many shots late in the shot clock. He has more help. He can um, be a little more judicious with you know his, his shot attempts. He doesn't have to do everything. Well, this is a game where the shot wasn't falling from the outside for anyone. Get to the basket. Get to the free throw line. Build some momentum that way. And I just, I felt like, and I understand what you're saying. Were there any, like, bad shots? There are a couple that that jump into my head early in the shot clock threes that you could have gotten at any time. They just put them up. Right, I, like I thought, like I thought the threes that Jalen Carey took, and and there's one in particular where he just kind of dribbled up and put one up. Like it, they there were some that just didn't make sense. But I, I think generally speaking. For the most part, and I know Jim Beheim kind of touched on this. Like for the most part, I think a lot of these threes came in the flow of the offense, which is which is the the weird part of this. And and to your point, Tyus is actually shooting twenty eight percent from three this year. Not well, right you know, now. It's, it's even worse right. than, than because we, it's, it's gone down the last couple of games. Right. But, but yes. you know, it's it, like it's 
yeah, I mean, you, you, you've you got to shoot better than that. I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's it, that's generally speaking the problem with this team. They're not making shots. And I know that we kind of laugh and, and shrug it off when Jim Beheim says it, but when when you shoot 7 of 33 and the 33 number is staggering, when you shoot 7 of 33 from anywhere, you're not going to win a lot of games. When you only make 18 shots in a game, you're not going to win. No. You're not, especially when you give up 46 points in the second half. So again, for me, I was I was most alarmed by the defense because I did not expect that. I thought, and you know, I said this on Friday, I said I think this is going to come down to a possession or two, which is why the game scared me from a Syracuse perspective. We know, or at least we thought, that Syracuse was better than Georgia Tech, but the way that Georgia Tech plays, I assumed this game was going to be played in the 50s or 60s, and it was going to come down to a possession or two at the end in terms of who made the shot, who missed the shot. And and it didn't come down to that because defensively, I don't I don't know what we saw on on Saturday in that second half. I mean, Georgia right. Tech did whatever it wanted to do. Um, to, fast break points, scoring in the. I mean, they they outscored Syracuse by twenty in the paint. Um, I, I know we need to take a timeout, so let, let's let's get to our timeout. Full lines are open at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. I was most alarmed by the defense. What was your biggest concern? Give us a call. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Steven Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. Waiting to track down Adrian Autry. We hope to bring him to you here in the next couple of minutes. We do have Steve Weissman from the Raleigh News and Observer set to join us at the top of the hour. Uh, we'll get Steve's thoughts on Duke. The Blue Devils with a, a big win on the road in Tallahassee at Florida State. On Saturday, Cam Reddish hit a three-pointer just before the buzzer. Didn't play. Uh, they played the second half without uh, Zion Williamson. He didn't play in the second half. Uh, injured his eye. Got poked in the eye right at the end of the first half. Was experiencing double vision. Sat out. Duke still won that game uh, on the road in Tallahassee. Cam Reddish hit a wide-open three with less than a second to go uh, to win it for the Blue Devils. This is going to be a tall order tonight. I, I threw it out there in that first segment, uh, Seth. Duke opened as a 17-point favorite. I think it's come down to 16-and-a-half. They are, without a doubt, the best team in the country. They're at home, and and Syracuse is struggling. And I I say that, you know, after Syracuse won four straight, we thought they were back on track and they turned it around. Um, That loss on Saturday, it's... And I usually don't use this this word, um, but it was inexcusable. It really was. I mean, that is a team that, at home... You should beat. You certainly yes. shouldn't lose by 14 no. to that team at home. Uh, it was inexcusable. It was. And now they have to go on the road and and play their toughest game of the season. And more likely than not, they're losing this thing by double digits tonight. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that, that was a game Saturday that they had to win. That, As I said off the top of the show, I said it on Friday. I know I tweeted about it towards the tail end of the game. Uh, that's a a game that a tournament team wins. That's a game that a good team wins. They handle their business and, and they move on. They take a, a, a sub-100 team coming into their building and they just take advantage and they win that game and and they go and, and they move to the rest of their schedule. And we had talked about how important it was for them to get wins where they could and get this win on Saturday, continue winning, not tonight, but the next two games when you have uh, Pittsburgh-Miami coming up to the Dome and, and just win games that are are winnable to you, and and Syracuse dropped one of them uh, on Saturday and lost that opportunity. Now tonight, you can be doing a great job. You can be, you know, hanging in there close 
and then you get one fast break, you get one leak out, you get one pass that gets tipped and stolen away by Zion Williamson, and he does a 360 dunk, and you're done. And we've seen it. I mean, Clemson, the Clemson game, they had them semi-close, right? They they had played them relatively tight. And then Zion Williamson gets a steal, goes down to the other end, throws down a 360 dunk, and and it's over. It, it's just over. And and I know that over the years, like we've had players up here who who you've had that feeling with. You know, when when Syracuse is is feeling good and and they're out maybe by five points, and Trevor Cooney came down and hit a three, and the dome just explodes, right? And they go up by eight, and you're just like, all right, this game's over. Like that's that's what they have here with Zion Williamson. Like he's he's that guy. He's the guy that just makes exciting plays. And when he goes down court and he's all alone and you don't know what he's going to do because he's thrown down windmills, he's thrown down 360s, he's he's done crazy dunks in games. If he does that, you're you're done. Like you're toast. The thing about tonight is, you know, what what do we always say about Syracuse? Really, regardless of who the opponent is, we say that well, they're going to be in this game. You know, as long as you can play defense, you're going to be in this game. And SU's blueprint to pull off the upset against anybody is defend at a high level and make shots. It, you know, when you when you whittle it down to its simplest form, right? It's it's play good defense and make shots. And and my concern about tonight with with this Duke matchup is that Duke is so good that even if Syracuse plays defense at a high level, Duke is probably scoring in the 70s yes. at the least and more than likely they're going to get to 80. And even if Syracuse makes shots, can they get to 80? I mean, we, we saw with the, you know, the Notre Dame game, for instance, good example of you know Syracuse shot the ball well and got to 72. Is Syracuse going to be able to get to 80 on the road against Duke? I, I, I don't no, think so. I, I and don't think if, so. And that's if they shoot well. And right. I, I just I, I don't think... I don't want to say they're not capable of winning this game because there's always a chance, and I get that. But it, this is not a good matchup. No, no, it's not. It's, it's, look, Duke's not a good matchup for anyone. Like it's it's not it's not saying something crazy to say they're not a good matchup for Syracuse. They're not a good matchup but other, against other anybody. Teams, right. But I mean Gonzaga beat them. And I realize Gonzaga is, is an elite team. And Florida State had them right on the ropes. But the, those two teams have big bodies down low that can bang and they they've got you know they've they've got shooters from the outside. I mean we looked at Gonzaga, we we you know looked at the stats last week and they hit I, I want to say nine or ten threes. I forget the exact number. And half of them were by front court players. They had guys who could step out and could bury the three and pull in Zion away from the basket and, and and so on and so forth. And and they had big bodies down low. Florida State obviously has some big bodies down low. And they're a team that can shoot the basketball as well. Syracuse is not shooting the ball well by and large this year. They've had a couple of games here and there, like the Notre Dame game, where they did shoot it well from the outside. But by and large, they don't shoot it well from the outside. And their starting center, you know, weighs about as much as I do. That is that is a, a, a big time concern. And you know, we thought Barama was coming along. He played 16 minutes, you know, two games ago against Clemson, and he was terrific. And then he plays three minutes the other night. And Pascal Chuku did some good things. And I, I do hope we get Adrian Altrion because I would I would love to ask him about you know Pascal left that game looked a little shaken up with his knee or you know lower leg injury of some degree. I'm curious to to hear and and see how he how he feels tonight. Um, but the center position is a major concern, especially against this team. Is Merrick going to be able to hold his own, you know, in in the middle of that zone <laughs> no. against Zion Williamson, who outweighs him by more than a hundred pounds? No. And and this is this is the these are the matchups that we've been talking about the whole time when we talk about Marek Dolajai. 
like him, love him as a player, does a lot of stuff that you really like and enjoy, uh, but him against Zion Williamson, him against Luke May, him against the Virginia Centers, him against, him against Florida State him, Centers. Him on Saturday, on again, Saturday, not that he played poorly, right. but Georgia Tech exploited yes. SU's lack of beef down low yes. by outscoring him by 20 points in the lane. Exactly. You know, so there, there are certain matchups that just don't work for him. And and again, that's not an indictment on him as a player. It's just that he's not big. And, and so maybe you can get to the point where he is. Maybe he can bulk up and be 200 pounds or 220 by the time his senior year rolls around. But right now, like, it's just not there and he's not doing that. Um, but with that being said, like, even if Zion Williamson doesn't play, okay, cool. They bring in the, the third best c- recruit in the country and Cam Reddish. And guess what? Cam Reddish just had his best game of the year, putting up 32 points, not just that buzzer beater, but 32 points on Florida State. Oh, and they have R.J. Barrett, who's probably a better basketball player than Zion Williamson, but he's been overshadowed to this point of the season. Oh, right, and they have Tyus Jones, his younger brother, Trey Jones, who is a top 10 recruit. Oh, and they still have this guy, and they still have that. Like, it, it doesn't, like, they still have Marquez Bolden, who's going to come off the bench. Like, it, it doesn't matter who's there and who's not there. It, it takes five injuries for them to feel it. Like, they, they've just got so much talent, yeah. and, and even so much talent inside in Zion and Bolden and, and Javin Delorier, and, and you, you just look at that team, and, and Barrett and Reddish are going to make you pay inside as well. Like, it, it's just it's just going to be so difficult to defend. And, and Kay said after the game on Saturday that Zion was already starting to feel better and the double vision had gone away, and, and they, you know, they kept him out as a precaution. He was having some vision after getting poked in the eye. It sounds like he's playing tonight, and, and there's not much debate about that. So they're going to get, they're going to get, you know, a a fully healthy Duke squad at home. You know, Duke's the number one team in the country, and and Duke, I don't want to call it a wake up call against Florida State, but they're coming in off that momentum of the the last second win. They're feeling good about themselves. It's a quick turnaround for both teams, but they're at home. SU has to travel down there um, for a lot of reasons. I I just I think this is going to be a, a lopsided game tonight. Um, and so let's assume that SU loses. SU drops to two and two in conference play. And this was kind of my point going into that Georgia Tech game. I said, you know, the the way that this schedule is starting, we know that it's backloaded. Two and two feels a lot different than three and one. And if they come home with a double digit loss, you know, at Cameron, not that we don't expect it, but you know, if Duke does to Syracuse what we expect them to do, they're they're coming back at, at two and two, and they're coming back with, with six losses. 11 and 6 on their resume and you know that the ACC conference schedule is backloaded. And right, and to, to that last point, you know it gets tougher from here on out. Like it, it it gets no easier because you have to play Duke again, you have to play Virginia, Louisville, NC State, UNC, uh Clemson again on their home floor. So yeah, it gets more difficult from here on out. That's why Saturday was important. And I, I know that we had kind of differing ways of saying it was important, but like that that's a game that you had to win. Um, you know, whether it was now, whether it was next week, whether it was next month, like you had to beat Georgia Tech on your home floor the same way you have to beat Wake Forest when they come to your home building. You had to beat Notre Dame and Syracuse just didn't do that. Didn't get the job done. 315-437-7644. We hope to get you uh, Adrian Autry before, uh, you know, the end of the show. At some point, we do have Steve Weissman from the Raleigh News and Observer set to join us at the top of hour number two as we continue to talk Hughes basketball. Phone lines are open. We'll wrap up hour number one right after this on ESPN Radio.